coming up on this week's show. I'll be chatting to the man behind Handheld Hollywood. He's a director, a producer, a writer, and an author. But to me, he'll always be the app master, Taz Goldstein. And I chat with editor and post-production workflow consultant Vashi Niedemansky about the fundamentals of editing. All that and more on this week's Mobile Creator Podcast. Welcome to episode 11 of the Mobile Creator Podcast. Vashi Niedemansky is a Czech-born editor and post-production consultant who has edited countless commercials and feature films. He's provided post-production workflow consulting services for numerous projects, including Deadpool, Gone Girl, The Good Doctor, and House of Cards. Vashi and I got a chance to sit down and talk about the fundamentals of editing and the importance of mobile filmmaking. Vashi Niedemansky pleasure having you here on the show. Welcome to the Mobile Creator Podcast. Courtney, thank you so much for having me. I'm just excited to chat about whatever you want to talk about and try to share some information with uh, other like-minded filmmakers and video creators out there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, so in that, uh, in the interest of that, why don't you give people a little bit of your background so we can, uh, so we can just get on into the, the meat. Sure. Sure. So I'm a, I'm a feature film editor based out of Los Angeles. I've edited 11 feature films. And when I'm not cutting feature films, I'm working on other projects um, like, you know, cutting commercials, cutting music videos, cutting documentaries, something to keep my different muscles and skills, you know, cooking. And uh, I've worked on films like Deadpool and Gone Girl. Uh, I edited Sharknado 2, the best of the Sharknados, I might, might add. Absolutely. Um, and a whole bunch of other stuff. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, great. Um, so, hey, uh, let's talk about mobile filmmaking, because I know you, you, you know, worked on all these other projects that were definitely not mobile made uh, projects. But let's talk about, you know, the important the importance of mobile filmmaking, um, you as an editor, but also you as a filmmaker. Um, uh, can you tell me what you, uh, what, what your feelings are about, uh, mobile filmmaking? Yeah, no, I think the accessibility of, of both the hardware and software being an iPhone or whatever you have handy, it really gives, as we all know, it gives the green light to anyone who wants to say they're a filmmaker or wants to create content or make a film or make a, a commercial. There are no limitations. Like we have that thing in our pocket that will allow us to have 4k amazing audio. Like I use Filmic Pro. I know you do as well. Um, you know, I find it great software, but it just frees me up to, if I see something, I can shoot it. I know it's going to be a really nice image. I can mess with it later in my editing tools and color grade it, but I know I can capture something without having to set up a tripod and a camera and then put an ND filter on and then, uh, check my balances. I can just grab something and go. And one of my favorite filmmakers is, uh, Steven Soderbergh. And as you know, he shot, you know, the last two films on, on an iPhone and, he said he was liberated because he didn't have to wait for anyone. He can get his shots. They can have a shorter day, which in the industry is great for everyone. If you can finish early, which is not usually the case, but he said with using an iPhone and using these mobile editing, sorry, mobile capturing software, he could get the shots he wanted. They looked great and he could start cutting right away. So I think um, if someone at the highest level in Hollywood is using it, then there's no excuse for anyone else to not 
go down that path and at least experiment and see what you can capture and and get it to the highest quality. We say that here all the time on the on the podcast is that, uh, it, you know, it's it's democratized everything. You know, we we talk a lot about doc, democratization, you know, uh, the DSLR is kind of, you know, what kind of kickstarted that in, in a lot of ways in terms of the the digital uh, filmmaking world. But um, but yeah, I mean, all this, you know hardware and software coming together, you know, on one device, you know, having Filmic on your, on your phone and then also LumaFusion, which we talked about offline here. Um, yeah. You know, so I have to check that out. Yeah. I'm definitely going to check that out. Yeah. The, the beautiful part is that you can shoot and edit right there on the same device, you know, and kind of see, Hey, am I going down the right direction? You know, do I need to, you know, get an insert, do you know, whatever, but it's all right there in the palm of your hand, which is absolutely brilliant. Um, yep. so, you know, given that, and given that, you know, I say it all the time and people are probably sick of me uh, saying it, that the, that the technology is not getting worse from here. Um, you know, so, you know, those are the givens, but, uh, you know, what are you working on uh, with with mobile that uh, that's exciting to you? Um, lately, I've been hired to edit some uh, political ads, and on you know, I again I pick up stuff as it comes along. But I'm getting sent like YouTube clips and stuff, and I'm editing that on my iPhone when I'm on the run, just because it's easy. I can do it. But bigger than that, um, I have a documentary coming out that I directed and edited. It's called Big Net. It's a documentary about my father, who was the first hockey player to defect from a communist country and play in the National Hockey League. And uh, he was just inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame last year, which is like the greatest honor for a professional hockey player. And I am um, editing and directing it. It's mostly archival footage. And what I've been doing for all the pieces and parts of the film that I don't have actual footage from the past, which is very hard to find, I've been shooting on Filmic Pro and then affecting it with either 8mm or Super 8 like mats in the editing software or adding film grain to that. But I'm capturing everything on my iPhone using Filmic Pro so I can have high quality 4K imagery and then treat it and affect it as I want. And what's nice is obviously like the handheld factor adds to the realism of as if I was shooting on Super 8 or Super 16 back in the day and starting with that clean, crisp, precise image. It's a great starting point to be able to affect it however I want, be it changing it to black and white or adding Kodak film grain or film scratches just so it matches all the other footage because the other footage is all archival footage from the 70s and 80s that was Super 8, Super 16, and regular 16. That's fantastic, man. That I, it, It's really good to hear that you're doing something on that level, um, you know, using, uh, you know, using mobile tools, you know, and that's, that's the, that's the thing. It's like, you know, you mentioned Soderbergh. Uh, we all know that, hey, if it's good enough for him, it should be good enough for us, right? So, um, you know, we- Totally, we know, totally. It, yeah. And his, his last two films- you know, they look great. Like I watched them on my 4K TV on, you know, iTunes or Amazon Prime, I don't remember, but it looked great. Like if you want to nitpick, you're like, oh, I see some noise in the shadows. But I'm like, no one's looking for that. If the story is compelling and you tell it in a proper way, elegantly and concisely, no one cares what you, what's being captured on. So exactly. I'm all for it. I'm all for it to get to the finish line quicker. You know? story, story is king. 
story is king. And the, these are uh, just tools uh, to to capture yeah. your story. And, th- and that's uh, that that's the beauty of it. Um, that is the takeaway that I think a lot of young filmmakers or young content creators are worried about the like, I don't have this camera, or I can't shoot this series or this commercial until I get that camera or this specific tool. It's not needed. It's not necessary. I mean, I've cut feature films on Premiere Pro, Avid Media Composer, Final Cut Pro, even on a Steenbeck, you know, with hands-on film. So they're just tools that help you get to the finish line. And you shouldn't poo-poo one of them or put one on a pedestal. It's whatever you have handy and just worry about the story, like you said, worry about the script, worry about the emotions, worry about the feelings, the music. There's so many things that we can should be considering and focusing on besides the capture device, you know? Yeah, because, you know, to your point, you know, the audience doesn't care. You know, they're they're sitting there. They they aren't seeing all the buttons that we're pushing, you know, (laughs) to actually make this thing, you know. So um, so they don't care. They're just, you know, is this a good story? Am I engrossed in it? You know, and that's that's really where it lies for them. So I think it was um, famous filmmaker Billy Wilder said the biggest sin of a film or a filmmaker is to be boring. Right. You know, so just keep entertain them, you know, like entertain the people. Think about that, especially during editing. People either cut too long, like they'll hang too long on something that's not active, or they'll cut too fast thinking that I make it frenetic and cut really quickly. It'll be exciting. It's got to fall somewhere in the middle for me. Like, you know, have enough on camera when the message needs to change or the tone is changing or you're moving on to a different point, then you can cut. But don't be frantic with like, I got to super cut everything to make it exciting. That'll turn a lot of people off. You know, you got to find the happy medium and approach it, what your end goal is and try and just funnel it down to feed that story point. You know, actually that is going to bring me uh, to my, to my next question is, you know, can you give me three do's or do nots, um, you know, uh, or more if you have them, but uh, just yeah. a few do's or do nots, you know, as, uh, as a professional editor, but more so as a editor slash storyteller. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of, of editing and storytelling, uh, one thing I think a lot of people don't do, um, is really dig into your footage and watch all your footage. I try and watch all the raw footage twice before I start editing once so i'm just viscerally reliving the moments if i shot it or if it was a feature film i'm watching what the uh, crew shot and the second time i watch is when i make my markers and notes for things to stand out so i think definitely watching all the footage the raw footage as much as possible before you start will help because what you shot on the day that's perfect shot may not be perfect anymore and a shot that you thought wasn't important is now the perfect little key to the puzzle that you and you, if you don't revisit it before you edit, then you're going to have issues, you know, downstream. So that's one point. Um, second point is, is again, is just what we're talking about, like the, the storytelling process, editing, it should be concise and elegant. There's lots of ways to reach that point of being concise and elegant, but it takes trial and error to get there. And uh, that brings me to one of the points I've learned so many times is, always try something from a different angle. Don't always do the same approach to your editing, to your filming, to your storytelling. I've always found that if I say, oh, that won't work, then I've literally closed a door that I could have gone through. And when I try something that may feel awkward or I don't think is going to work and it does work, it's such a pleasant surprise 
And I might have ruled that out on another project. So always try every approach. Even if someone says, try this, try that, it doesn't take long to try it. Even if in your head, you're like, oh, it's not going to work. You never know until you actually see it in action in the storyline, in the edit. Um, you'll really be able to surprise yourself. And the last point that I've learned and that I think it applies to everyone is honestly, be a nice person. I mean, filmmaking and this content creation is a collaborative process. You're always going to be working with someone. Even if you're alone, you're going to need feedback or you need someone to do, do you a favor or help you with something. No one likes to work with people that are, you know, you know, there's many words, whatever you want to say. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear, but um, just be a nice person because that goes a long way. I've learned that as an editor and, a, and a, someone that you want to work with, that goes further than your skills and talents. You could be a great editor or a great cinematographer, but if you're literally just at the control, then no one wants to work with you and you won't get rehired. So think about that when you're dealing with people. Um, there's enough bad people out there, so just be a good person. That would be my last takeaway. The, those are uh, that that last point uh, in in particular. It just should be words to live by in general. <laughs> just in outside in of filmmaking, general. of course, in yeah. and yeah. out. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I I think some of the best uh, it advice that I've ever gotten uh, was from one of my mentors, Henry Winkler. And and you know, this was right before we were getting married. I was calling all my friends who are married and asking, you know, about advice, you know, uh, you know, uh, in terms of, you know, getting married and, you know, in relationships and long-term blah, blah, blah. Life decisions. Life, life decisions. Huge. But his yeah. thing was, you know, it's not, uh, it's not what you say. It's how it lands in her ear. Right. So taking that, across the board in, in, you know, relationships in work, you know, and dealing with people, it's not what you say, it's how it lands in their ear. So, um, so, and that kind of piggybacks off of what you are, are talking about is just be a good person, you know, uh, all this other stuff is whatever, but that's a great yeah, way. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's a great point you made in terms of of how it lands because I've been in the edit bay with lots of famous directors and I can't, I can say to them, this shot sucks or this is terrible. Or I can say, I wonder if there's a better shot that could really help this moment. Right. So the diplomacy and the people skills that you have to have as an editor are super critical. It's not, you can't just say what's on your mind in terms of negative people take negative different ways. Right. So put a little sugar on it, you know, and, make it positive and make it a collaborative thing that we're both trying to achieve a better result. Right. And if you express yourself that way, everyone will be open, you know? So it's, it's, a, that's a great point you made. And I use that um, in, in the same way in, in real life and in the edit bay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Hey, uh, look, man, I could talk to you like all day about all this stuff, but I know you don't have all day. I know you were up real late uh, working on an edit. And, yeah. So I think we both were, right? Yeah, we both were. Yeah, we both were. <laughs> so, um, so look, uh, where can people, you know, uh, check you out, you know, on the, on the internet, you know, uh, I, I know you have a great sure. website, which is, you know, a great resource for, for, uh, for a lot of information. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, you know, tied in with you on, on social media but you know just yeah give the people you know yeah no my my website is vashivisuals.com it's v-a-s-h-i-v-i-s-u-a-l-s there's a blog on there that i've been running for about nine years where i collect all my 
thoughts on filmmaking. I do. I have tutorials there. I have breakdowns of films. I have all my stuff that I take away from my actual job and share with the people. Um, also uh, on Instagram and Facebook, it's at Vashi Visuals. And then on Twitter, where I do spend a lot of time, it's Vashi Koo, V-A-S-H-I-K-O-O. Don't ask me why. It was like 10 years ago. I was like, oh, that's cool. Vashi's taken. I'll take Vashi Koo. But that's where I spend a lot of time and share some stuff. So if you want to stop in and say hi or just ask me questions, I'm, I'm always willing to answer. That's awesome. Hey, man, really appreciate you. I'd love to get you back on. Uh, and so we can just, you know, talk a little bit more about stuff. And then I'll, I'll definitely come back anytime. Once, this, yeah. once the schedule lightens up, I'll come revisit you. We can talk yeah. a lot more. That would be awesome. Really appreciate it. would be my pleasure. All right. Hey, have a great day. We'll see you soon. Now, back in 2011, as I was researching mobile journalism, I stumbled upon a website called Handheld Hollywood. And one of the very first posts that I read had a review of a tripod mount for the iPhone. That review and that vlog spurred me on to actually pursue mobile journalism, and it led me in many ways to where I am today. The man behind that website spoke at the very first MojoCon back in 2015. I had the pleasure of having him as a speaker again at MojoFest in 2018. He's a director, a producer, a writer, and a published author, and he joins me now. Taz Goldstein, how are you? I'm very good. How are you, Glenn? I'm really, really good, and I'm delighted to be able to have a chat with you again. It's been too long, man. Are you keeping well? I agree. I'm, I'm well as well as can be. You know, considering what's going on, I'm, I'm, I'm doing just fine. I've got plenty of time. Actually, this motivated me to finish painting my door. So uh, back there, because I, I hear a few people watch the video, so I had to paint the door. So, <laughs> so I'm keeping very busy. Things are good. Things are good. Yeah. I'm actually really excited to be here, and I'm really excited to see you again, and to be talking about this again with you. Likewise, likewise. Now, for, for the audience who perhaps don't know you or are not familiar with what you've actually done in the background, take me back a little bit to, well, I discovered Handheld Hollywood in 2011, but back to the origin story of it. Like, what, what prompted you to start it way back when? Okay, so it started actually, uh, I, I picked up the very first iPhone. Um, so I've been, I've been on the ride since the beginning and I wound up using my iPhone on set quite a lot, um, basically for shot lists. I was using the notes application that came on the first phone. And the reason for this was pretty simple was because every time I had done no, uh, shot lists in the past on set, I would leave my notepad. I would just leave it all around. I would lose my notes constantly. And I had paid so much for the phone. There was no way in hell I was going to leave that anywhere. So I put all my notes on the phone. I was guaranteed to always have them with me. <laughs> so it started, sort of started like that. And then I began to realize that there was more things I could do with the phone. And it became more and more integrated into my sort of my, my work life on set and in production. And then by the time the iPhone 3G came around, uh, yeah, the 3G, um, an app came out called Hitchcock. I don't know if you remember that one, but it was, it was the very first application that came out for filmmakers. It was basically uh, allowed you to create and animate storyboards. Um, it was ultimately renamed Storyboard Composer. But when it first came out, it was called Hitchcock. It had to be changed for legal reasons. But this app absolutely blew my mind. Up until then, everything I'd been doing had just been sort of using other apps as filmmaking apps. But here was a filmmaking app. And I got so excited about it that I, I wanted to discuss it. I wanted to talk about it. And I went online, I went to various user groups and Facebook, and I went all around, and I couldn't find anybody talking about using your phone on set, using your phone as part of the filmmaking process. It just There was nobody talking about it. And that's what led me to start the website. Not so much that I'd ever you know, dreamed of starting a website, but it was just, I just needed some place to talk about it. I just needed to nerd out with people. I needed to, I needed, I needed to be a, a nerd basically on the internet. So that, that started the site that was back in 2009. 
and then uh, and then it kind of grew from there. Uh, more apps started coming out. Um, the website the website traffic was slow at first, but that's because no one really knew about this or cared about this. But as it became more of a, an idea in the public uh, consciousness, the site grew. That resulted in me then uh, speaking at various trade shows and lectures around the states. Um, and then that caused the website to grow even more. Then I was approached to write the book. Uh, I wrote the book, the website exploded, everything was going great. And that of course led me to, uh, to you and then coming out to Ireland and speaking at, uh, at MojoCon and then subsequently MojoFest. And, uh, and yeah, and that was it. So basically what started as me just wanting to talk with people, wanting to get excited, wanting to nerd out with people, um, ultimately led me to do just that. The website was sort of a means to an end. As much as I enjoyed doing the website and I enjoyed doing the book, I enjoyed the presentations more. I enjoyed being in the audience watching other presentations more. I, I enjoyed nerding out with other people of the same uh, sort of, uh, same sort of uh, frame of mind as me. And, and actually, that's, that, that to me is what I love so much about, about uh, MojoFest and MojoCon before it, is when I arrived there, there wasn't any other thing going on. It wasn't like there's a big trade show about this big topic and over here in the side room, we're going to talk about mobile stuff. It was the focus of the whole event. And to be in an event like that where everybody was there for the same reason, which means I could talk to anybody and have an interesting, meaningful conversation on this topic I love so much. It really was the culmination of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So you say that you read my post and that led you down this path. I have to say that, that you inviting me to MojoCon was for me the culmination of everything I've done because it allowed me to get what I ultimately wanted, which was to be able to obsess with, with like-minded people. And I loved it. Absolutely loved it. So thank you for that. I, I hugely appreciate that compliment. I have to tell you, I think our stories are intertwined in so many different ways. And um, in the lead into this, I referenced a, a particular mount. I went digging through my archive of gear and I actually, I found the mount. Now, if you're listening to the podcast, you're missing, you're missing the device that I'm holding up on camera right now. But what I have in my hand is something that looks like it could be a Batman prop. Uh, it's called an, <laughs> uh, an Auli Bubo. Yeah, an Auli Bubo. And uh, it basically is a Generation 1 uh, mount for the iPhone. It's built of rigid aluminium, weighed a small ton, had a little mounted lens and everything on it. And there's still, believe it or not, an iPhone 4 or iPhone 4S actually mounted in it, ironically. Um, when but you that, say mounted, do you mean stuck? Stuck in there? But stuck, yeah, the, the rubber thing has probably now become part of it, you know? <laughs> um, but they're, they're a child remain for posterity's sake, you know? Um, but that, that device and your review of that device was a video that I actually showed to the management in RTE when I was trying to convince them that this really could be a thing. When, when, you know, like, look, look what you can do with these bloody devices. Just look at this guy. He's making, he's making short films in the States, for God's sake, with his phone and this, this device thing. Um, and it was yeah. amazing to see the response. Like, people were completely, somewhere between bemused and bewildered, but at the same time, kind of like, oh, okay, it's a thing. It's a thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. and, and that was around, wasn't that around the 4, the iPhone 4 or 4S? Somewhere in that neighborhood. Four. Yeah, I think this is a 4. Um, and actually, a couple of weeks back, we, we had uh, Michael Corbell on um sure on and he was telling me basically about his whole journey and the 3gs and the iphone 4 and apple on my eye and everything that he shot on that probably on this device i actually come to think of it um but yeah it's really really interesting when you start to think about the origins and how far we've come in the i guess 11 years since but well, 11 years since you started the actual website anyway and um, yeah and the book you mentioned the book so the book also i also managed to find my copy of the book look at this and um, so again <laughs> if you're listening to the blog you're really or if you listen to the podcast you're missing out because i basically have in my hands um handheld hollywood's filmmaking with the ipad and iphone and it's a it's a chunky book look at this see that that's serious yeah, that's a monster right 
It is. It's massive. And um, like I remember ordering that at the time and, and just going through the repository of apps and everything that you had. Now. And it's, I mean, it's amazing when you see how far it has come. And yet you see some of the apps, like look at the page that it just happened to fall open on. And this was not, I look, no dog ears on the pages at all. Filmic pros. Oh, uh, look at that. Opening, yep. right? Uh, we're really forced that Filmic and LumaFusion are both sponsors of the actual podcast. But I mean, you know, we're going back to 2012, 2013 with this book, right? And I mean, yep, that's right. it was incredible as a reference manual for um, what you could actually do with the smartphone. Um, talk to me a little bit about your own journey. Like, so, you know, director, producer, script writer, um, where, how did the phone fit into that whole kind of ecosystem for you? Like, was it just to liberate your kind it's, of creativity or? I, I, when, it, when the whole thing started, I was, it's when I was uh, directing, producing a lot of TV pilots and it was a necessity more than anything else. It just allowed me to uh, keep all my stuff in one place. It wasn't, there was, when it started, there was no, hey, look, I can make this a filmmaking tool. It was just sort of, that's what I had. But after the first few uses of it, that's when I sort of realized this is, this is the direction I want to head. Um, and my, my journey in general is different than a lot of the people in this community, in this fil- you know, mobile filmmaking, mobile media uh, journalism community, in that I never really focused on using the phone as a camera. I, I love the idea of it. I mean, that, like you mentioned, that review of the Ali Bubo, to me, that was just one of the first accessories that sort of legitimized the phone as a camera. But for me, that has never been the focus. For me, the focus has always been, how can I continue to do my work that I, I know and love, but integrate this technology to make it easier? And that went for every aspect of filmmaking, which is why, was why that book is so thick, is because the phone can be integrated into every aspect of production. And that's what I love most about it. I love, I love the idea that, you know, because I have, I have, closets and storage containers filled with gear that, you know, I've used I'm happily and then became kind of obsolete because much better gear came out. And then when you think in terms of the phone, yeah, granted you have to replace the phone, but I'd be doing that anyway, because I'm a nerd, but, um, but the phone becomes more and more valuable and more and more versatile every time someone else releases a new app. It's like having a piece of gear, a tripod, and then all of a sudden someone releases an app to make that tripod fly. You know, that's, that's kind of what's going on with the phone is, is this thing that was already valuable is becoming more and more valuable each day as more apps come out. And that sort of, that whole philosophy then extended also to the apps themselves in that it wasn't just filmmaking apps. It was all of these other apps that could be used as filmmaking apps. And that's honestly still what excites me the most about a lot of these things. Yeah, well, we definitely share, I think, that same vision or excitement for it. Um, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued that the, the two times that you've spoken at Mojo, MojoCon slash MojoFest, you, you focus very much on those kind of productivity apps. But again, as you say, you didn't look at the tools that everyone knows, like the likes of Filmic, perhaps. You looked at other productivity apps. And I remember lots of people tweeting at the time, kind of going, wow, never heard of this one. This is amazing. And it was like, I think the, the, you spoke at the very first MojoFest, actually, in 2018, when it became independent. And... I, that year I dropped the ball a little bit because I didn't actually have a live streaming session, a formal live streaming of it. And loads of people gave out stink to me afterwards going, why the hell didn't you record a session? Because I wanted to be able to play it back and get the list of apps and everything that he did. Now I think that's what he posted on, on the handheld Hollywood website. I think to be fair yep. to you, you did actually. Um, but nonetheless, I'm going to put you on the spot and say right now at this moment in time, what are the apps that are floating your boat, if you will, from a productivity point of view? Uh, okay. Well, uh, hmm. All right. Well, five, huh? 
Just five? Uh, five all right. Five so phenomenal. How about okay? How about I give you five? Five of the standard bearers, the ones that have always been sort of the the most um, discussed, excited, uh, celebrated filmmaking apps that I still use to this day, and then maybe five that are completely unusual and off the radar, and I'm loving in a filmmaking capacity as well. Okay, I'll do that. Phenomenal. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Um, okay. First, let's talk about the standards. You got uh, Shot Designer remains one of my favorite apps. It's for designing um, overhead diagrams of actor movement and camera movement. It's very inside baseball. It's very much for for filmmaking and 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 designing of shots. Hence the name Shot Designer. Great app. Hasn't been updated in a long time. I think it's been almost three years since it got a, a decent update, but it still works. Um, obviously, I wish they'd add more features, but it's still one of the greatest. Um, another one I use constantly and recommend all the time is called Shot Pro. Three, uh, Shot Pro. It's another pre-visualization app for doing storyboards, but it's 3D. And you can build models and animate the camera and really get a sense of what your, your shoot is going to look like before you even shoot. Uh, so the newer versions are now integrating things like augmented reality, uh, which means, and I think I actually showed this at MojoFest, um, where you can use your camera as as a virtual camera in the 3D environment. So you can build your set and your action and your actor movements within the application, within Shot Pro, and then use your camera and its gyroscopes to literally move through your scene and shoot it and photograph it, video it. So it's as if you've got a live set that you can test all your shots. Amazing application, absolutely amazing. Um, Movie Slate is another one. Everyone knows Movie Slate. It's been around forever. It's fantastic. It's uh, basically the digital equivalent of a, an analog Movie Slate and it logs all the data so you can bring it to your editing system. It's terrific. Um, and then of course, Filmic Pro, the, uh, the standard bearer of, uh, of camera apps. Um, if you don't have it, go get it. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what to say about it. It's spectacular. As is LumaFusion. Um, the LumaFusion is a little newer on the scene. It's now become a standard. It's the editor that, uh, that, uh, that I know and love. Um, and there's a bazillion others of the standard ones. In fact, one of the features of Handheld Hollywood has been the app directory. So if you're looking for apps for any particular profession, uh, there's just a whole bunch of really good apps up there. I, I only put ones that I know and like up there. So it's not just the endless parade of useless apps. It's really good stuff. And it's all divided by, um, by profession. So it might be worth checking out. Um, but okay. So new apps, the app that I'm absolutely currently obsessed with, uh, is called CamTrack AR. Have you heard of this? I have not. Okay. CamTrack AR, uh, it's made by the same people who make, um, hit film, which is a visual effects compositing software, animation software. Basically it lets you, it turns your camera, uh, in, it's a video camera app. Um, but nothing like Filmic Pro. It's got no pro features in terms of making the image look spectacular. I wish they'd add some of that. In fact, I wish that Filmic Pro would maybe license the technology from CamTrack AR. So what CamTrack AR does is it allows you to do camera tracking, 3D camera tracking in real time. So if I were to uh, shoot a scene on the street and there's a couple, and I basically, basically um, like any AR app, it senses the floor and then senses the position of certain objects. I can then place markers in the 3D scene, in, this, in the environment, that then stick to those locations. I can then export out that, that video and tracking data to a free app called Blender, which does 3D on, the, on Mac and PC. I can export it to HitFilm, which is compositing and visual effects. So it basically allows you to do what would normally be done in post-production. Normally you shoot your footage and then you track it in your computer. Here it's tracking live which means as soon as you're done shooting, you can export it and start compositing. You can put in 3D characters and 3D signs and explosions and everything you want to put in there. The work is already done. 
That's amazing. And, and yeah, and it's using the LiDAR uh, camera of, of the newer, you know, uh, newer devices. If you shoot with your iPad and uh, yeah, I think, I think any iPhone that doesn't have a home button will work with CamTrack. It's great. It's great. And it's free, by the way. Really? How the hell um, do they monetize? Yeah, it's free. Uh, they have a, pro, a paid version, which I did pay for. Right. But the paid version basically allows you to export to After Effects, which is the one that I use, and allows you to add multiple track points. Right. The free version gives you one track point, but in many, many cases, that's more than enough. And you can bring that into, because it's also tracking the camera. Remember, it's not just tracking the point in space, it's tracking where you move the camera. Uh, and that will work in the free blender and the free hit film. So you could do 3D tracking, real-time 3D tracking for free. Wow. Yeah, uh, astonishing. Um, an app that I'm checking out now uh, called uh, Scriptation, which is a script markup app. Uh, not terribly glamorous, but one of the exciting features of it is that you can make notes in a script, and then those notes get transferred to the new versions of scripts when you change the script out. This, this to me is sort of a killer feature because people have been marking up scripts forever, but to then move your notes from one script to another is great. Um, let's see, live link, uh, live link face. This is an app that I love that I'll never ever use. Um, it's meant, it's meant for, uh, 3d designers, people who are doing games and film, uh, model animation. This basically allows you to use your, your iPhone as a face tracker. So you can, you can have your, your models animate in real time, uh, by using the, the, the 3d technology already built into the phone. Does that make sense? Am I explaining that well? Uh, kind of. Yeah. I'm going to have to try and dig yeah, out these apps. Look at them. <laughs> Yeah, so this is a very technical one. It's, it's definitely made for people who are already in that world. It works with, with the, uh, the Unreal 3D engine. Right. This isn't for the layman. This is, this is high-end stuff, but still, I love it. Right. Um, Double Take, which I'm sure you've talked about here before yeah, uh, from the Filmic Pro exactly. guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A camera, it's an app that lets you shoot on both sides at once. It's spectacular in so many ways. There's one more app that uh, I've been getting into recently a lot. In fact, it recently just saved my butt. It's, it's not at all intended for filmmaking, which is some of my favorite apps. Uh, it's called Facetune Video. It's by the same company that made Facetune, the photo editing app that's been around forever. Uh, but now it works on video. It's an app that's designed basically for like, um, you know, 13-year-old girls who are vlogging. It's not meant for serious journalism or filmmaking. And yet, it's a terrific tool for that kind of stuff. Um, Basically, it allows you to take video in. It's meant for a selfie cam, but you can bring any video you want into it, and it cleans it up. It does things like smooth out skin and reduce wrinkles and remove uh, you know, the dark circles under your eyes and just makes the, video, the, the person look nicer, which granted is a completely vain thing to do, but if you're doing interviews with someone, especially for you know, corporate work or something where, where you're interviewing something who, someone who, who obviously wants to look their best on video, um, why not, you know, throw it through this tool that's meant for, you know, sparkly selfies and make really nice looking interview footage with it. Um, it's, it's absolutely, you know, it's apps like that, that, that are not meant for this profession and yet can bring so much to us for so little. Um, I'll try and put a link to all those apps. If I can find them on the app store, I'll put a link to them on our YouTube channel so that you can basically have a look at them yourselves. Um, talk to me a bit about, um, 2084. Oh, the short film. Okay, sure. Uh, 2084 is a short film I did a couple of years ago. Um, it was a, uh, how would you describe it? An experimental sci-fi comedy epic um, that was shot in my living room with a crew of one person. It was all green screen right? Um, and composited later after the fact. It, was, it wasn't shot iPhone, but it was shot with a, a, a Blackmagic cinema camera. In hindsight, I probably should have shot it with the iPhone. The process probably would have been faster and the footage would, would have been just as nice. Um, but yeah, basically it was a, it was, it was a, it started as a software test. That's all it was. 
It was a software. I got a new piece of software that was originally intended for 3D titles in videos. Um, it was called um, Element 3D by Video Copilot. And it's basically just meant to do titles and basic 3D animations. And, and I thought, what about doing an entire set? What about building an entire set with this plugin? Because it's the first 3D, uh, 3D modeling plugin that I understood because it's so simple. Right. So I thought, well, what about making a set? What about making an environment? What about making the lighting? What about making a platform that the actor can see? What about making the whole damn movie in this plugin that's meant for titles and you know, simple stuff? And that's, that's what started the film. And then I thought, well, as long as we're doing this, uh, we might as well make a, a, a short film out of it. And, and uh, you know, I actually, it's very difficult for, for a filmmaker, for a creative person to do something simple because as soon as you get into it, you start throwing layers of complexity on it and it becomes something entirely different. And when it was all done, um, you mentioned Corbel before, uh, Mike, Michael Corbel. Um, he's actually the reason that that film saw the light of day because I wasn't planning on releasing it. When it was all said and done, it, I mean, A, it started as a software test, but when it was done, and I watched it back. I thought, well, this is a really weird movie. Like, I don't quite know what this is. It's, it's, it makes me laugh, but it's weird. I don't know if it's going to make anybody else laugh. Um, and, and the reason, by the way, it was so weird is because it was based on a 20-year-old experimental comedy sketch that I saw a sketch comedy troupe do 20 years ago, and I tracked down the, the guy who made it, and I put him in the film. Oh, wow. um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I've used him for other films, but I remember seeing him do this comedy sketch live 20 years ago, so I, I brought him in. Um, but then I was, it was actually, it was, at, oh, you know what? Wow. And the world comes together. I think it was actually at Mojo Fest. Um, and I was talking with him about not sure if I should release it or not, because it's such a strange little film. And he told me the story of his short film that was uh, a camera test. Um, I uh, can't remember the name, Ap uh, Apple of My Eye. Apple of My Eye. Yep. And, uh, and he told me about his experience, basically turning a camera test into a short film. And, I, and we sort of bonded on that. And I said, that's exactly what happened with this, except it was a software test. And he said, go ahead and release it. So I did. And uh, I woke up to it being um, a staff pick on Vimeo. And, and all of a sudden, it took off. Who knew? Uh, so yeah, it was. And the reason I did that film in the first place, the reason I, I, it became such a thing and I was excited by it, is the same reason that I got into mobile filmmaking and, and using the iPhone on set and using all this technology, is because in many, many ways, it simplifies things and allows you to put on many hats at once. It simplifies the process. It shrinks the size of your crew. Case in point, um, 2084 was shot with a one-person crew. And when you look at it, I mean, granted, it's showing its age, but when you look at it now, it's hard to believe that that was done in my living room with a one-person crew. Um, but, but that's the joy of technology. And that's the same joy that I experience when I'm finding new apps on the iPhone, like I was just talking about, like the, like the Facetune video. Normally, you'd have to go to a colorist and hire someone else and get a, maybe a compositor to track the eye bags. Under, you know, I, it's just, it simplifies so much and gives you so much power that you don't need to be as reliant on other people. Not that you shouldn't be, because collaboration is great, and that's where great story comes from. Um, but the idea that you're no longer reliant entirely on having you know, X many people doing X many jobs with X much gear, that you can now put all this technology in your pocket, or in my case, into my, you know, my living room, it's all part of the same thing. It's all part of the grand democratization of the entire process. Come here to me for, for people at home who want to connect with you. Where, where are the best places to, to find you? Obviously, Handheld Hollywood. We've already plugged it a little bit earlier on, but we'll pop it back up yep. on screen. Where else? Um, are you on Instagram and Twitter and everything? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, you can find me via the Handheld account at uh, HH Hollywood um, or my personal account at Taz Goldstein. Very good. Um, and I might as well throw something else in here. I don't know. It's really, there's nothing there yet, but sort of to, you know, 
put the put the, the fire under myself anyway. Uh, new website tazmusic.net. Ooh, just starting to get back into music. That's what that's what a pandemic will do. You know, <laughs> turn you into a musician. Yeah, I've, I've so, got upset with um, bushcraft. That's that's my personal passion. Oh. Trying to keep my sanity and get back out to nature. Anyway, that's a whole other podcast episode right there. I look forward to that new uh, website, new podcast coming up. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Uh, Taz, it's been a pleasure chatting to you as always. I really, uh, I look forward to catching up with you next time. Who knows where our paths will cross again, but hopefully it'll be really, really soon. But as always, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Glenn. Man, Glenn, that was a great interview that you just did. Yeah, that was that sounded like a whole bunch of fun, huh? I have to say, it's great to catch up with Taz. He's he's an absolute font of knowledge himself and Settle. I would love to lock the two of them in a room and do some sort of a, a shootout on apps between the two of them. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, the, the wealth of knowledge. You. Um, good. You know, um, it, it's been fairly quiet. I've been writing a lot. Um, uh, been working on, as I mentioned before, there's this Western that I'm working on. And then there's another project that I'm working on that I just recently broke the story. Not ready to talk about it yet, but, uh, but that's going to be, um, that's going to be kind of fun. So all cloak and dagger. Get, get a, lot, a lot of COVID writing done. <laughs> yeah. You, you've been incredibly productive. I have to say, I, I haven't made a lot of progress now in the last week. The only thing that did arrive, which I ordered bloody ages ago was my second handle. That makes sense. Oh, remember the, yes. I now have two handles yeah. on the rig. So that's, that. Look at you. Okay. You're nice. Yeah. If, if you're listening and wondering what the hell is he talking about? Um, over the last number of episodes, we've both done some, uh, gear comparisons. So Courtney's had a lot of, uh, amazing beast grip gear. Uh, which if you're watching the YouTube video, you can watch right now. And then um, I decided to try something just a little bit different. So I reached out to Small Rig, and they have a unit called the Smartphone Pro. And that does now come with handles. I can't even get it in the shot because the mic's in the way, but hey, there you go. It comes with that's handles. Um, that's very nice. Yeah, it's tidy. It's I'm impressed with it. Can you show me the top of the, what's on the top of those buttons? Cold shoes. There? There's cold shoes cold on the top of the handles. I don't know if you can see that or not, but. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. There's yeah. Cold very shoe nice. and there's three, three quarter, three quarter 20 mounts as well on each one. On each so, one. Wow. And then four quarter 20s and a cold shoe across the top of the rig. So I'm pretty sure you could make it into monster cam. Yes, you keep could. it light and mean. And I actually have my anamorphic, uh, my Moondog anamorphic lens on that at the moment. Uh, there's a filter in front of it. So it? does that case have a uh, a particular, is it a bayonet mount or is it a uh, some sort of a, what kind of mount is that? that so it's interesting. Your... That particular unit has got the moment bayonet mount, but uh -huh. you can get it with two or three other different optional mounts. So you can get one that has a different screw thread mounts as well for different lenses. So it's quite dynamic uh -huh. that way. Very nice. Awesome. That's it. Nothing else gear wise. No. Um, yeah. See, I, I picked up um, a little microphone here by Movo. And for those out there, you know, who are looking, they're they're probably thinking, "Oh, well, no, that's not a Movo mic. That's the uh, the the Rode, uh, uh, you know, mic mini or whatever it's called." Yeah. Uh, but no, it's, it's actually resemblance. Yeah, it, it's very strange. I mean, down to the coloring, right? Um, but the funny thing is that uh, I've seen some tests, uh, heard some tests with this particular microphone, and they are incredibly close. But that's where the similarities pretty much end because their prices are drastically different. Um, this is, I'm, 
as far as I can remember is around 40 or so bucks. Right. Um, and it is a great sounding mic for, uh, for, for the price and for the size. So pretty impressive that good spend. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep testing it out and seeing, you know, uh, just how far the throw is, but, uh, but so far so good. Happy with it. Yeah. Nice one. Do you see any interesting news this week? I haven't, um, I haven't seen a lot now under the hashtags that I followed this week. Have you picked up anything? Um, there's one interesting thing, um, about our uh, old pal, Steven Soderbergh. Um, I say he's our old pal, like I know him, but I don't, uh, <laughs> um, he is going back to his, uh, mobile or continuing on with his, you know, uh, mobile creating roots. And he's joined with Quibi, um, uh, Quibi short for quick bites. Um, uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg's Jeffrey Katzenberg's, uh, 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 mobile, um, content, uh, platform. And, uh, he's creating a series, uh, that he's not directing, but he's just producing on, but they're going to actually be shooting it on mobile. And if anybody knows anything about Quibi, it's, you know, the Hollywood, you know, A-list Hollywood, uh, uh, uh producers, directors, actors, etc., um, who are making short content. And all these episodes are 10 minutes and under, um, and that's, you know, where the quick bites comes from. But, um, but the fact is that they've been shooting on all other cameras, you know, like, you know, reds and Alexas, et cetera. But now Soderbergh's coming in and thankfully he's going to be shooting on mobile for mobile, which is pretty cool. It makes perfect sense, doesn't it? If it's supposed to be a mobile optimized platform, you'd like to see them actually create some content with a mobile. Yeah. Nice. Absolutely. That's a good project. Absolutely. Yeah. And then with, you know, Damien Chazelle's, uh, you know, latest entry into the uh, mobile space, you know, the, his little iPhone video, vertical iPhone video, mm-hmm. it, it's really showing that, you know, it, again, I, you hear me say it all the time, but I, that, that mobile filmmaking is ready for prime time. So it, these guys are huge industry uh, professionals and they're shooting on mobile so, you know, why not you? Mm-hmm. Speaking of, of, of mobile production, I saw that um, Cassius Rayner, who we interviewed uh, way back in episode one of the podcast, and I interviewed him in episode one of the summit as well. Um, Cassius tweeted during the week to say that he has gotten, it's not the world falls silent. I think it's Invisible Monster, he said, which is one of the short films that he shot during COVID in London. It's been accepted into the shortlist for SF3, the smartphone flick fest australia's big one uh so very happy for him that's great news for him yeah yeah and and then we have the two robs rob layton and rob leach who also got into sf3 as well right so i mean there you have it folks you know some of our our friends uh our 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 listeners and friends you know of the of the show who are you know getting into these major of film festivals, which is spectacular. So congratulations to all those guys. Yeah, best look to the three of them. I hope they don't all end up in the same category, basically vying for the same award. But hey, you know, but may the best man win. Or woman. Or woman. That's right. That's right. A high a high class problem to have. There you know, go. Actually. There you go. So, Pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Um but yeah that that's all I have for this week, really, to be honest. How about you? Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's just um you know, trying to stay, you know, COVID free and, uh, and, and creative heavy. That's, that's all I'm trying to do right now. So, yeah. 
Very good. Okay. Not, um, not, much, not much else is going on. I'm going to do one tiny shout out to uh, another couple of friends who've launched a little project that I think is quite interesting. It's kind of more journalism focused, just for the record. Uh, but Len Clark and Mike Castellucci. So I interviewed Mike again on the summit. Um, he's uh, notable because he's done these series of TV half hour kind of um, feature pieces, uh, all shot in his phone. And he's won oh, several wow. Emmys for them, actually. So he's 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 uh, he's definitely plowing a new furrow there, so to speak. But um, he's tem- teamed up with Len Clark, who is also a mobile journalism trainer, and he's a sports commentator professionally as well. And they've launched a deck of cards, not just any cards. These are media cards. So basically, what they've done is reach out to I don't know how many have cards are in a card deck, but anyway, uh, fifty-two. There you go. I'll I'll take your word for that. So fifty-two cards, um, and each one of the cards basically has information about um, some aspect of mobile journalism or mobile creativity. Uh, And they have a website called Create With Mobile. I hope I got that right. I'll definitely have it up on screen anyway. Um, But if you want to check it out, those cards have just gone into production and they'll be available for sale shortly, or maybe they've actually just gone on sale. Um, But each one has a QR code and it links off to dynamic content. So like 52 bytes of information or support, which is quite a clever little project. So I wish the two of them the best of luck with that. Wow, that's pretty spectacular. Um, oh, I did have, uh, you know, follow, kind of following up on one of the questions that was posed by uh, Rachel Noel, uh, Rachel Noel James uh, on on Twitter. She actually hit me up about how to get rid of or how to avoid rather, <clears throat> excuse me, how to avoid noise in low light situations when shooting um, on your smartphone. And uh, Rachel, I just want to let you know that I'm working on a video for you to show you how uh, how to do it, the, the best way to do it, you know, kind of best practices in terms of shooting uh, low light for mobile. Will you have that for next week? Or are you going to put that in Maiden Mobile or? Uh, I will have that for next week. Okay, awesome. Fantastic. Look forward to that. Um, Okay, well, look, um, that's another show uh, coming to an end. Um, I say it every week. I didn't say it last week, though, did I, for our big episode 10, because it was a mega episode, one one hour and 17 minutes. We'll try and keep it back to the old 50 this week, if possible. Um, Please do reach out to us. Again, if you have ideas, comments, suggestions, we're ears and eyes open. You can contact us via the website. You can contact us on Twitter. You can contact us on Instagram, or you can reach out to either one of us independently on our own social media channels. Uh, But please do. We love to hear from you. We love uh, hearing your thoughts or feedback and very much appreciate you spending the time with us once a week. Um, But for me, for this week, that's all I got for now. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye for now. Creator Podcast is sponsored by Filmic Pro and Luma Touch.